0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's tony Katz today in a world that does not give enough full disclosure i'm happy to give it i have no idea who nardo wick is i didn't know nardo wick was a rapper signed to flawless entertainment and rca records his 2021 single, Who Wants Smoke? Yeah, I also don't know anything about that uh, as, as well. But it was number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. Platinum, it went. Okay. Well, for a guy I may know nothing about, that doesn't mean other people don't know about him. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833 468 8669 Got Tony, the extent of what I know about Nardo Wick is that Nardo Wick has a couple of uh, bodyguards who don't know what the hell they're doing, and I put that on Nardo Wick. The story goes, um, was that there was this, this fan who was trying to get a photo of him as he was leaving a concert, right? So th- this was this was more than just backstage. This was like almost in an alleyway. Um, where maybe the concert venue or whatever 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 it was. He wanted to get a, a shot. Maybe it wasn't at a concert, just, just leaving leaving somewhere. And one of Nardowick's guys just walked up kind of like from behind and knocked. This kid, unconscious. I mean, stiff. There, there's a whole thing when the body goes stiff. This guy was much bigger than than the fan. Hit him with his right hand. Hit the fan with his right hand. Right on the chin. Knocked him stiff. And then uh, another a kid. Then started punching uh, this fan as well. The fan falls to the ground. Hits his head. Uh, 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 on, on the ground Now I'm not saying that Nardo Wick did anything. He did not uh, attack a- a- anybody. But these are his guys? Are these his, was one of these guys his bodyguard? Police said the pair was affiliated with Wick. So now the question is, what, what was their purpose? Are they just part of some entourage and they thought their job was to, was to make sure their, their guy was okay? You don't come around here. Should we note that the guy who hit uh, this, this fan and the kid were both black and the fan was white? Nardo Wick is black. Can we call it racial? Why not? We call everything else racial. If it was the other way around, it would only be called racial. Why can't we call it racial? Go on. Go ahead. It's all right. What are they going to do? Stop? Now, Wick has put out a statement saying, I don't condone what happened to my fan after my show in any type of way. I expect I expressed to him and his mama how sorry and concerned I, I was that it happened to him multiple times before anything was even posted or on the Internet. He condemned his entourage's attack and said he, quote, can't, conde- can't control another grown man's actions. Yeah, yeah, you can. And this is exactly where we need to get to. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because you could start by having people around you who know how to control their actions, know how to control their emotions, who demand better from themselves. Look, there are moments. Don't get me wrong. This was not one of those moments. This was a guy who wanted a picture. Nobody was a threat. You could have said no. You could have uh, kind of moved him aside even if you wanted to. Nobody would have thought that was too weird, even though you shouldn't necessarily touch another person. You come from behind and you knock him out. You go to jail for forever. And Nardo Wick, these are the people you have around you? My God, your people suck, man. They suck. And yes, you can control their actions, Cause you don't let these people around you. This guy, this guy who's who's part of your entourage. Tell me, this this is his whole thing, right? He's a big tough guy. He's gonna make sure you're okay. No one's gonna mess with you while he's around. And now he had to prove it on a, on a, on a kid, on this on this a twenty year old. I shouldn't say kid. On this twenty year old. By hitting him from behind, the guy wanted a picture. The guy wasn't a threat at all. So yeah, you can do something about it. Now the question is, should you be held responsible for it? That's the question. Now the video shows that he tried to stop it. He even writes, I tried to stop it, as you can see in the video. And if somebody got the longer video, you can see how mad I was. I love and appreciate all my fans and don't condone uh, in what happened at all. Uh, That's, uh, I'm going to say stuff, ain't gangsta or cool in no type of way. Correct. That is correct. Now, representatives for Wick are saying the two suspects are not his security. There's a way these things have to be handled and, and, and a way in which people have to be handled. Now, um, you, you you clearly are allowed to protect yourself and you're allowed to have people protect you and, and people invading your personal space? No, no, they, they don't necessarily have uh, that, that, that right. Of course of course not. I, I agree with this. But if these are guys who you were giving a couple bucks to or guys who were uh, getting rides from you, yeah, I do think you're responsible. And it has to be dealt with. Maybe the bigger question is why is this the first response? Why in the world, and we see this so often in, in the idea, not, not not talking about rappers or bodyguards or anything like that, but people's first response is this, this immediate outrage immediate anger Uh, this this hitting this kid to me when i saw this um this was uh this was akin to those karens who uh were like why are you filming here why are you parked here you see that all the time what are you what are you getting involved it's none of your business you go you're walking your dog go live your life why are you getting involved if you saw the same car parked somewhere with somebody staring into a house five days uh, in a row, all right, yeah, you can call the police, right? We could say there was a, a something that was going on repeatedly. It's awkward. Let's take a look at that. We would make perfect sense to us. But these Karens, they stop anybody. Why are you here? Why are you walking through my neighborhood? What is the real difference between the two things, the actual physical hit? Well, I think that we can argue that the physical hit versus the verbal altercation is just the way the thing is engaged. And you could also argue that that is cultural. The Karens, the vast majority of times women in this case, they're not going to hit anybody because that's not what they do. They don't know how to hit somebody. Now, sometimes they'll do it because they assume they won't get hit back because of the social contract. Women who engage in these kinds of things, the yelling and the screaming, they do it because they know that men won't respond to it. The social contract says you don't do that. So therefore they feel emboldened, which makes them, we should be clear, pretty disgusting. Women who do that are gross. Women who are like, I can do anything I want. You can't do this or that. Respond this or that because you're a man. Those are women you should stay away from. You don't marry those women. You don't date those women. You don't want to work with those women. They're just terrible. Oh, and 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 ladies, with all due respect, if you're upset that I'm I'm, I'm saying so, uh, I think it's uh, I think it's unacceptable that you're upset with the truth. There are women who do this. And it's gross. But the, very often you see this happen with neighbors and other things. And sometimes you think it's just made for, made for the video. But very often it, it is real. And it happens because people don't know how else to express themselves. They, they, they have to defend. They, they are immediate to a level of anger, to a level of of of, of radicalness that doesn't make any sense. The guy who hit this 20-year-old was bigger than this 20-year-old every day of the week. The 20-year-old was never a threat. Why hit him? Why hit him? Well, had to be hit. Had to show him who was in charge. Why in the world would you bother somebody walking their dog? Well, had to show them who was in charge. Can't just have them walking their dog all around my neighborhood. Can't have them just parking on the street. It's the same mathematics. It is what it is. And that comes from something very, very deranged in, in society where people are ginned up to a level of, of, of anger that must they must immediately show how virtuous they are with their anger against the against the what? The infiltrator? The uh the person who is uh causing them some level of upset, the person they've decided is doing some level of wrong, and then they don't have any ability to filter out a response to it. Not even a, hey, man, you got to move it over there. Hey, man, you got to move it over there. Could have just done that. Now, you and I could argue that was even wrong. This guy's not security or anything. He's just some some hanger on. But it still would have made more sense than punching the guy. Now, let's say the guy said, I'm taking a picture. Get out of my way. Let's say the 20-year-old kid said that, a 20-year-old adult. We shouldn't call him a kid. That certainly escalates. Is that the punch? The Karen says, why are you parked here? And you say, none of your damn business. You could argue it escalates. But still doesn't explain why the, the Karen is doing what they're doing and any nonsense that comes forward. It is true that all of us can can state a moment where we did not handle our emotions correctly. But it is important that we at least note when it's not being done properly and we use it as, as a lesson to how we how we can do it. And certainly for one's kids, this isn't okay. This is madness. This is madness. And by the way, it's madness when the Karens do it too. I hope they find this guy. I hope they charge this guy. But for Nardo Wick, just for for the sake of clarity, you bet your ass there's something you can do about it. Don't have this guy as part of your entourage. That's what you could do about it. Explain to these guys that every time they try and act out their fantasy, they're putting you at risk. You've hit. You've got success. You've got opportunity. Then I didn't know who you are. Okay. Well, I didn't know how I do. But this isn't the way you want me to know who you were. They gotta act a certain way. They gotta comport themselves in a certain way. There's nothing street about punching a 20 year old white kid. Uh, unless there is, in which case, oh holy hell, we got different problems. You decide who you have around you. Now ask yourself how the hell do you want to be seen? kind of man are you? No, no, don't get angry with me. Ask yourself and then make the changes that you need to make. But for this guy, I hope they throw his ass in jail. I'm Tony Katz. Susan Sarandon is apologizing, as if anybody cares about a Susan Sarandon apology. But the apology involves the fact that, well, as a progressive, her bigotry was on full display. And what she said at an event to support the Palestinians, she said that uh, there are a lot of people who were quote, afraid of being Jewish at this time and are getting a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in this country, so often objected or subjected to violence. Muslims are so often subjected to violence. This is, of course, not true. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, this whole conversation about Islamophobia has been alive from the beginning. Even when we talk about September 11, 2001, that the nation was gripped with Islamophobia, fear of Muslims, vented term and wanted to get the revenge that didn't happen there weren't mosque burnings all over america it didn't happen as a matter of fact the opposite took place a recognition of the difference between people who are uh, uh followers of islam and people who are fundamental uh terrorists radicals jihadists islamists different things and we were proactive in the conversation about the separation. Well, I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I don't. You know, I, I've, I've often stated that you know, when, when, a, uh, when something happens around the globe, a, a terrorist attack happens around the globe, if we, if we think about the United States, there is a, a Muslim mother and a Muslim father looking at their Muslim child and saying, damn it, their life just got tougher. I believe that to be true, but now we have swing states, Michigan, Minnesota, Arizona, Wisconsin, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, who are uh, where you have Muslim groups saying, abandon Biden, cease fire now. Abandon Biden, cease fire now. So you have these Muslim organizations, Muslim groups, saying that if Joe Biden doesn't get a ceasefire in Israel regarding Hamas, we're not going to vote for him. The anger in our community is beyond belief. One of the things that made us even more angry is the fact that most of us actually voted for President Biden. I even had one incident where a religious leader asked me, how do I get my 2020 ballot so I can destroy it? Now, so we can understand each other, we were told that there's a difference between Hamas and the Palestinian people. And right now, what I am seeing is that there doesn't seem to be, based on the levels of protests and how the protests are worded, uh, any difference. These groups do not push for Hamas to stop. Hamas attacked Israel, then Hamas broke the ceasefire. Why is there no conversation about what it is Hamas has done? Why is the only conversation that Israel has to stop? Well, I think that's the case because the um, basic belief system is the same and that is they want Israel gone. That's what they're saying. This is what they're pushing forward. There are 3.45 million Americans who identify as Muslim. That is 1.1%. Of the country, of, of, of the United States. Now, first, I, I don't know if all of them vote for Democrats. And secondly, I don't think these groups speak for all Muslims. Uh, that, that'd be like saying that, that liberal progressive Jews speak for all Jews. <laughs> no. No, they don't. And can I just say, every time I I have somebody who's, who's Jewish, and this happens to me in uh, Indianapolis uh, uh, frequently as of late, uh, love your show, thank you for what you're doing, keep it up, and then running off. They don't want to be seen with me, but they want me to keep doing what I'm doing. Well, first, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, secondly, I think you have to ask yourself, why is it that you run off? Why is this a conversation that happens in the shadow uh, or the shadows? Why why are you worried about it? I I think that you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask, wait a second, what is it that I'm actually doing here? Why, why can't I be openly supportive of someone having a very honest conversation regarding the terrorist group that is Hamas, that sees it clearly? We are only having one conversation about this war, and that is whether or not a nation has a right to exist. And I believe that Israel has the right to exist. And these groups are saying no. And you've got elected officials like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and Andre Carson saying no. And this whole apology from Susan Sarandon, now Jews know what it's like? That's it. Susan Sarandon had to explain to Jews what it's like uh, to be oppressed. Good, good. Because Jews have never once celebrated a holiday about the oppression. Never once. It's like we never thought of it again. But when you start seeing these groups saying, get the ceasefire or we won't vote for you, they're saying something very clear. And the Democratic Party, we we see it as we have seen it and talked about it and been honest about it. Lousy with anti-Semites. Lousy with people who want to destroy Israel. And these people think they're in charge. Except they might be in charge. The Democratic Party has got problems galore with their bigotry. This is Tony Katz today. So the Pacers get the win over the Heat the second time around. Brings them back home to take on the Celtics in that whole tournament. I I guess it's going well. I guess people dig it. But maybe the story is the fact that the Colts are the most frustrating team in the NFL If you're a Colts fan, and the highs to the lows to the highs uh, just yesterday, um, honestly, I'm surprised more people aren't doing any... Well, I don't know. I don't know the drug you would take. Uh, Me, I'm old school. It would have been a Quaalude. Tony Katz, good to be with you, Tony Katz, today. JMV joins us from 93.5, 107.5, the fan. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. Let's start with the Colts. Uh, I say to you that I have seen enough that Gardner Minshew, who I like, cannot actually run an offense in a, a standardized, sustained way. And then overtime comes, and he throws two of the most absolutely perfect passes I have ever witnessed. One to Alec Pierce for 55 yards. The touchdown from Michael Pittman, who had an incredible game. And th- that, then he can look at me and say, did you have something to say, Cats?" Uh, Gardner Minshew, he's got to continue to be the starter of this team. Yeah, and
1: you can really, a lot of people he could probably look at and say the same thing because that was predominantly the thought process going down the stretch of that game at Tennessee yesterday was, you know, please take this thing out of the hands of your Shane Steichen of your quarterback, Gardner Menchu, because everybody was so afraid of what was coming next. Granted, you know, on that dime that he dropped, Alec Pierce, and then ultimately, you know, in that game-winning touchdown throw to Michael Pittman Jr., people were telling me, oh, no, no, yes. And that is, in essence, who Gardner Minshew is. I mean, that's what you're going to have to deal with. It's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be him. And you're going to have moments like you felt yesterday, Tony, where you're thinking, man, anybody but. And then you're going to have moments where you're thinking, I'm glad they did not take my word of advice and take him out because of the touchdown pass, because of the pass to Alec Pierce. That's just who he is, I think. And really, that's who this team is. This has been one. I love Kings Island growing up. i go over to Ohio. We'd ride, you know, the Beast, uh, the Cobra, the Bat, all this stuff. I love a good roller coaster. Um, This is a good roller coaster ride. I wish it were more steady, but you could not have asked for things, Tony, yesterday to turn out better for the Colts organization, the team, and its fan base with what is going on with them and what is going on around them as we're in the month of December right now.
0: Okay. Let's take a step back just for a moment. Let's take a yeah. look at Gardner Minshew. In this overtime win against the Titans, I got so into it, I forgot to say, Colts beat the Titans 31-28 yes. in <laughs> overtime. Uh, the Titans have gotten the field goal. The Colts come back uh, for the touchdown pass. Gardner Minshew was 26-42 of 42 for 312 yards and two touchdowns. I'm telling you that I don't know the last time he had a, 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 a number of yards that high a stat line that good he did have the fumble because he hasn't figured out how to throw the damn ball away um but he didn't have an interception when you look at that overall you look at that as not a bad day and certainly this was not a running team which we'll get into but I don't think that stat line explains how absolutely anemic this offense looks at times yeah
1: yeah that's who they are That's who they are. You mentioned at the outset Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. is an absolute dog. He's there game in and game out, and he is the Linus security blanket without question, because when things go right, most of the time for Gardner Minshew when that happens, it's because on the other end, he has Michael Pittman Jr. He plays through injuries. He produces. That's what you're looking for, but this team, Tony, that's just it's who they are. That's their identity right now, and you know what? It's played the role well to this point. I, I just don't know. Like, you look ahead. I know Cincinnati plays tonight. They get Cincinnati coming up next Sunday down in Cincinnati, you know, with no Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow or any of that. But you, you can't count on them for sure to win a game. But you also, with this schedule playing out, you can't count on them to lose. It's a roller coaster ride, and it's going to be that, really on both sides of the football when it comes right down to it, but we saw it yesterday with the offense. You survived Tennessee. You're in a prime position. You see Denver lose. You see Cleveland lose. Um, you see Pittsburgh lose. Kenny Pickett's going to be done. So Kenny, They're not going to face a starting quarterback, Tony, until they get C.J. Stroud and the Texans, which may be the most meaningful game of the season at the end of the year. It's, it's amazing how all this plays out,
0: but they're doing enough to get by. And the Texans right now are playing big. Tony Katz talking to JMV at 93.5107.5. The fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. Pittman, by the way, is targeted 16 times, 11 receptions, 105 yards. Alec Pierce, now he got targeted six times, but he catches three, 100 yards, gets a touchdown as well. Of course, that 55-yard reception, finally seeing a little bit of him in this ball game and when we talk about the the issues of this offense uh some of that is mitigated by the fact that Shane Steichen is nuts and a couple of those fourth down calls were just absolutely beautiful
1: yeah yeah he is I mean he, he's gonna play that role too because sometimes he's gonna frustrate you a little bit going all right so why all these passes why does shoot need to throw it 40 plus times a game but You know, clearly yesterday, what else you were going to do because you didn't have the normal run production. And, you know, we wondered when, you know, Jonathan Taylor being missing was going to be magnified. and I thought yesterday it was certainly magnified. But, you know, you look for a couple of plays. I think with Alec Pierce, as you brought him up, it's been more about not being able to get him the ball than it has been. Hey, Pierce can't catch or Pierce is not a good wide receiver. or Pierce is a bust. I don't know if we know anything that much about him to date because of those that are throwing him the football. And for the first time yesterday, we have seen now, I guess a couple of throws would being consistency of that magnitude. We've seen consistency in finding Alec Pearson, Tony, you and I have talked about this a number of times in a number of weeks, if they can just get a down the field threat. So teams defensively can't stack the box and take away what they want to do. And that is run the football Tennessee did that yesterday, and again, the Colts found a way with a couple of pass plays down the field, cashed in, and got out of Tennessee with a win. And by the way, too, Tennessee was an absolute disaster on special teams. It was almost like each team was saying, all right, I'm going to give you this much. Can you, can you win if I give you this? Can you win if I give you that? Right. And then ultimately, it was the Colts.
0: Speaking of, of, of not getting things off the ground, the run game was anemic. Zach Moss, 19 carries, 51 yards. It's 2.7 yards uh, per, per carry. His long was five yards. That is a terrible day, but I texted you. I yep. saw Quentin Nelson get thrown on his ass. Like, yeah. just just smacked around. You're like, what is with this offensive line? No movement against this Titans defense. What happened there?
1: Well, I mean, he had. Well, they're good up front. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is as good as you're going to find up front for the Titans, and he went out. I, I don't know if there's any difference when he went out, but when you when he goes out, not. they lose. Yeah, they lose absolutely everything, Tony. Um, you, I think you were mentioning the offensive line. I mean, Jake Freeland was out there for a lot of it. I'm not going to make any excuses because you would expect better out of them. Um, but, again, they did enough to survive. I almost think to me, that it's going to be better for them, and you correct me if I'm wrong with your thought here, I thought it's almost better for them to now get a little relationship, a connection between menschu and Pierce for that downfield threat than it was to be able to run rough shot yesterday. I, I'm glad that we saw that. I'm glad that other teams see that. I'm glad the Bengals will see that on film. You know, other teams – that they play Pittsburgh, we'll see that on film, because that will open things up even if you don't have intentions in doing it very much. So, I thought yesterday was a good thing for that offense. We'll see if they can carry it along, but I thought it was a good thing.
0: So you're making the argument that the Bengals and the Steelers are both looking at this game with the Titans and saying, okay, we've got a plan for a downfield threat with, with, op- yeah, with Alex.
1: The gets. option of, yeah, the option of, Tony. It's just, listen, you put it on tape, oh, that works. Now it's something you have to guard against, whereas prior to that, there wasn't anybody paying too much attention to it. So you put that down on tape, and then it's in the memory bank of those that are preparing for you, and they have to prepare for that. I thought that was a good thing yesterday that they made that connection. And honestly, I look at the special teams, I know that was more Tennessee's fault, I guess, than it was the Colts but the Colts made some plays on special teams and now teams are going to see that on tape and go all right we got to make sure we don't screw this up because this is the last thing that we can need so yeah a couple of different aspects of the game yesterday I thought you put down on tape for the remainder of the season was going to be a bonus for this Colts team moving forward.
0: Yeah, I think the the special teams conversation. There's only so much you can do to to plan for it. But those two block punts, uh, Stroud again being able to get the touchdown. Matt Gay four field goals. Don't forget. There's a a, a lot going going on. Let me bring it to the defensive side of, of the ball re- really quick. In in what was given up, uh, by by Indianapolis. This would you consider this to be a a lack of, of of defensive strength or this was just a you know what some fine solid play your offense just has to be able to carry that load they did give up twenty eight even though it's overtime
1: no I I, I just I, I think that to me the defense is kind of like the offense um, at times they're not going to do what you hope that they can do and there's nothing that is absolutely solidified I will say this. And then talking to Zaire Franklin last week, if they play well up front, then that takes a lot of the pressure off everybody else. I expected them. I think everybody kind of expected them to play better up front. Um, And especially you look at a couple of really big moments. We talked about Jeffrey Simmons going out. That was one thing yesterday, but then Derek Henry, we didn't mention that too. He was running rough shot over everybody in that first half. And, you know, in the second half we went out and didn't return and, Um, And that was another big key. So, I mean, you can't rely on injury situations like that. But I just think what what you have right now is a team that's trying to piece things together and hope that they're down the stretch in the game to maybe a play here or there can be the difference. You have one of the better place kickers in the league and Matt Gay. He can be a difference. Uh, and then yesterday, it was the arm of Gardner Minshew, the pass-catching ability of Alley Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr., I guess. Who would have thought, especially with the time ticking of that overtime? So maybe, again, it's just going to be here or there. You can't count on any of it, but maybe a spot play here or there to give them a chance at the end. And that's what you saw yesterday.
0: And to be clear, the defense, Colts defense gave up 23. The two points on that interception, yeah. the two-point conversion, you can't blame on, on the defense. Let me bring it over to the Pacers, who will play uh, tonight uh, against the Celtics in this tournament. Um, we've said it. We meant it. It is clear the Indiana Pacers have absolutely no defense whatsoever, and it's like they're not even trying. There is not a team this year that has scored less than 100 points. Not a team that has scored less than 100 points, even in the win against the Heat. It was 144 to 129. Yeah. Um, This is... This is insane to think that a team can take this to some level of victory uh, in the playoffs.
1: Tony, I would maintain that most of the time right now, the way that they play defense, that their offense has to put up 135 or more to win a game. You've got to consider this, too. That Saturday night game, which I think was a surprise to a lot of people after what transpired on Thursday night and that first loss in Miami. We talked about it on Friday. But when you look at Saturday night's game, Miami still put up that 129 that you mentioned. Didn't have Bam out there. Didn't have um, Tyler Hero out there. I mean, just had kind of a mix and match type of thing, and they still put up 129. Now, you can make the argument, hey, the Pacers put up 144, and Tyrese Halliburton didn't play on Saturday night. So that's great. The fact is that when you get in big game situations, they're going to have to be able to get a stop here or there, and this team rarely, if ever, mix and stop. And I said this on Friday's show. I don't see it. I don't see the solution. I don't see the solution coming. I don't see the solution on this team. So I, I guess if you're looking for one right now and the present, you're going to have to score more points than the other team does. So I'm thinking if you don't score 135 or more, then it is going to be in jeopardy in which you're you're going to win or lose that game. It's probably more times than not you're going to lose it.
0: I I. I'm glad that I at least see it uh, properly, and I certainly have not seen a change take place. Uh, this in-season tournament stuff, uh, this working in, in terms of does it work for fans? Does it work as a almost incentivizing moment uh, for for the Pacers and team other teams?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I, that's for the Pacers because they haven't seen you know the postseason in how many years now four plus years or whatever. So this is kind of like playoff basketball, and it does bring. TNT cameras on a Monday night, albeit, but TNT cameras, and you get national coverage uh, for this game coming up later on tonight. So, no, and, you know, for the Pacers, it's fun. I don't know for a team like Boston, where you're going to be more than likely a number one seed anyway, in the East, and you're not too concerned about it. I don't know how much drama or how much enjoyment it brings to them or their fan base. But, you know, for teams like the Pacers, certainly, I think there's a lot – There's a lot to play off of, and you know they owe Boston something. Tyrese Halliburton, who may – I think it's questionable whether or not he plays tonight. I think he is going to play. He had an upper respiratory problem that kept him out on Saturday. But remember, Boston put up 150-plus against the Pacers back in November, and that was on the road in Boston. No Tyrese Halliburton, but they could not stop you and me on that evening. Boston has – what the Pacers struggle with, and that is very talented wings that they can simply not guard. So we'll see if there's any change in that. But, yeah, I think overall, I mean, you get a little bit of love for what you're doing right now. If you're the Pacers, you probably like it. I just don't know how the rest of the league, especially the successful, Tony, rest of the league really embraces this, this, this whole situation thus far
0: jmv is his name he's the voice of sports in indiana 93 1075 the fan out of indianapolis always appreciate you taking the time keep it here i'm tony katz this is tony katz today
1: so trump's true social post may have seemed unhinged and crazy and random and like you could ignore it It was actually, though, a threat to the free press, a threat to democracy. And that threat comes at a time when a record total of 533 journalists are currently detained worldwide. That's according to Reporters Without Borders. A large number of them are being held by the sorts of authoritarian regimes that Trump envisions creating here at home.
0: With all due respect, it was the Obama administration that was keeping tabs on James Rosen, uh, I do believe. It was the media that said, we won't talk about the Hunter Biden laptop and got government cronies to sign a letter. Don't tell me there wasn't any level of collusion there uh, to sign a letter saying it was Russian disinformation. With all due respect, Jen Psaki, you understand that you're not engaged in any legitimate news gathering whatsoever. You are what you are, a a propaganda show on a propaganda network that isn't even interested in trying, which stinks because you can. You can. You have all the skill set. All you have to do is go about doing it. With all due respect, I see Joe Biden and this administration and these Democrats as more of a threat than Donald Trump. And now this idea that if Trump won re-election, he would never leave office. What are you talking about? He left once. He'll leave again if he wins. Could you stop it with the fear-mongering? You sound crazy. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.